Hey ladies, welcome to the Diamond Hands podcast. So you want to own a med spa? Welcome to our community and explore the exciting industry of medical aesthetics and hear from experienced med spa owners and relevant industry experts to guide you on your path. Mindset, money, practice management, marketing, find it here. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Diamond Hands podcast. Today, we are so excited to have Dr. Kalashadi, um, plastic surgeon um, from SSK Plastic Surgery in California. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to be part of your show. Thanks for inviting me and my family. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So you guys, it's a family affair today. And this is one of the things that you have to deal with when you're a business owner, just do things you can. So that's yeah. awesome. So, you know, uh, you guys, so he has an impressive background. I'm not going to talk about it all now. You can read about it in the show notes because those are going to be included. Um, but he's been in Forbes, he's been in Playboy, um, and he's been in a lot of great publications. So we're really excited to have him. So you know, Dr. Kilashadi, just um, tell us uh, a little bit about, you know, your background and what made you even want to get into plastic surgery in the first place? All right. So my background, I grew up in Los Angeles and I liked health and fitness and I wanted to be a pro ball player when I grew up. Oh, but wow. I think it was five foot ten. So um, I liked helping people. And it was either going to be like a teacher or, you know, a doctor. And I really like science mm -hmm. and I love working with my hands. I used yeah. to build radio control cars when I was a kid and race older men in their radio control cars. So I love working with my hands. And when I was in college, I, you know, took a lot of science classes. I volunteered a lot. Yeah. And um, anyhow, I, I knew I wanted to be a surgeon because I, I, I like being, um, either the hero or the goat. So I like all the pressure. <laughs> I watched a lot of TV growing up and the surgeons were always the ones who walked into the room with yes. their cap on and their hands sterile, ready to cut and make things better. So mm -hmm. basically I want to be the hero. And uh, I spent a lot of time training and basically uh, I spent seven years doing general surgery. And during my general surgery training, I saw pediatric surgery, trauma, uh, and you name it. And what I like about plastic surgery is the artistry also, the fact that there's no emergencies and the yeah. it's a plan ahead. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's basically it. Like, I get to plan ahead and really think about how I want to do it. It's kind of like being a basketball player where you, yeah. you watch film of the other team, you know, their tendencies and you know what's going on. So it's not an emergency. You're planning ahead for success. So that's what I yes. do. Yeah. That's really awesome. And, 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 and so, like, you know, you said you always wanted to be a plastic surgeon. You know, you said you always wanted to be the hero or the goat. So was there like, was there any particular like moment when you like, was it sixth grade, seventh grade? Like when was that time when you were like, oh my God, all this work that I'm doing in undergrad and everything is all going to this. Like what age did you define that for yourself? So I realized that I wanted to be, uh, give me one sec while I entertain this toddler here. Guys, this toddler is so cute. <laughs> he's really cute, except for when he gets angry. But basically, um, I realized I think around well, my mom always wanted me to be a doctor. She's like, "You're mm. going to be a doctor," and I said, "No, mom, I want to be a race car driver. I want to go work with my dad at his gas stations." You know? Yeah. She goes, "No, you're not going to do that. I want people to respect you." I said, "Okay," but I, I really always loved science, and I think around seventh or eighth grade, I started thinking like, hey, if I'm not going to do something like that I thought was really cool, yeah. I'm going to listen to my mom. And being a doctor is a good idea. <laughs> being a plastic surgeon never really, I just know I want to be a doctor. And I think in college is when I really figured out I want to be a surgeon. Mm. And because uh, at first I was kind of scared of blood and, you know, cutting people open and stuff like that. Because yeah. um, I'll tell you something funny. We were watching uh, one of those like, TV shows where they're showing surgery. Mm -hmm. And I looked at my mom and I said, mom, this is disgusting. Like, <laughs> the, you know, this guy had like this metal rod inside someone's body. He's pulling it in and out. I was getting nauseous. Uh, mm. Mom goes, you're such a wimp. She goes, you're scared of blood and guts. You're helping people. She goes, don't think about it being your body. 
it's wow. someone else. She goes, what do you think I do when I cook Thanksgiving dinner? I'm de-gutting the turkey and putting that stuffing up inside the turkey's rear end. You know, I'm like, okay, I get it. All right. So anyways, she said, you need to like grow a pair. I said, all right, mom. Cause she was like, no BS, you know, wow. um, that's basically it. You know, that's great. Yeah. So it sounds like your mom had a really big influence on, you know, your life pathway. Yeah. You know, my, my mom, uh, has been very much on top of me and understands me emotionally. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I couldn't get away with anything, you know, you know, all right. Uh, you know, whether it's coming home at late night, Hey, how'd it go? Great. Were you on a date? No, really? Why is there glitter in your teeth? Uh, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I mean, he's really smart, but like my dad is the one where I learned my work ethic and he's just resilient. He's, um, He's from that baby boomer generation. And Mm -hmm. uh, those guys make no excuses. They never complain. As long as you have a pulse, you've got a purpose, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where I learned it all from. And and so the two of them, I got their best qualities, you know? (laughs) That's so great. Yeah, Yeah, no, I mean, I understand how that is. It's like, you know, um, being, I'm personally parents. Uh, My parents are immigrants, right? I'm from Jamaica. And and so it's just like, you know, my mom was like shucking potatoes and being a flashlight cop. My dad was selling books door to door while they were in college and everything. And it's just like, they they really were like that in, in our lives as far as like, you know, you can't hear your getting stuff done. Like we didn't come here to do all this stuff for you just do nothing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh my I, God. I think, I think ha- having immigrant parents you know, uh, they understand the opportunity of living in this great country. Yeah. And I, I, I think they, they want us, like they didn't move here and leave their relatives and stuff just so we can party and hang out. They're like, yes. no, no, you're going to do well. And when we're not here anymore, we want to rest in peace knowing that you're okay. You know? Exactly. So, we set you up. It's not easy, but I, I, think, I think you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think that's what a lot of immigrants learned is, you know, they move to a new country, learn a new language, culture, but they realize that like, yes, it's, it, there's nothing guaranteed, but that opportunity is better than not having an opportunity at all. So yes, I think it's exactly. Same here. <laughs> so, you know, and, and another thing I wanted to ask you to, um, you know, you've, you've attained so much success in everything. And, you know, what has attaining the level of success that you are at right now what does it mean to you? And I know we talk about all the nice things, but what are some of the dark sides of success that you think, you know, that you've gone through personally um, that, you know, people don't put out on Instagram. We don't yeah. put these things out. Well, I, I'm very blessed to have the life that I do. You know, I've got amazing staff around me. I've got my amazing mm-hmm. wife who also works. She's a pharmacist. I brought her yes. into my business. I've got amazing kids and I think we were providing them a lot of great activities and stuff. Mm-hmm. But what people don't realize is like, we're on the go all the time. Every weekend is planned, you know, yeah. just like it was hard for us to, you know, find time to do the podcast, you know, yeah. um, it, it's every minute's accounted for it's go, go, go. And um, there's a lot of pressure because like I give all my patients, my cell phone number. So mm-hmm. I've got everybody texting me, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm on vacation, it's my, birthday, you name it, there's things going on, you know, and I love hearing from my patients, but a lot of times they're texting me because they have a question about something or a worry. And mm-hmm. I have a worry too. But really the darkest thing about it is, is that people think that I have it easy, right? Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm living well. I'm a plastic surgeon. I, I see beautiful people every day. I make them prettier. But what mm-hmm. they don't realize is I miss time with my kids. You know, yeah. uh, they don't realize is, is that I'm also answering messages on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Yelp, Google business, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, I do all my own social media posts. Uh, I'm, I'm basically like the go-to person at the surgery center and at my office. And I have about 12 different personalities. I have to keep in order to keep the team running. But the hardest thing is this, you know, they always say it's lonely at the top, or they say there's a reason why a Lamborghini only has two seats. And a bus has 30. Um, You you know, there's something that like my parents taught me a long time ago and people can respect you, but jealousy is something that people sometimes will have. And I think we we live in a very insecure world. And part of that is because of social media, because a lot of people 
basically look at their version of happiness based on how well they're doing compared to everyone else. Mm. And I wasn't raised that way. Okay. Probably some of my happiest times were when I was in college, I lived in an eight by 10 room. I would eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich under a tree and count how many squirrels came by squirrels. Okay. While I'm reading <laughs> books, you know, I mean, so that doesn't cost a thing, you know, or when you go to the beach, most of the people there are tourists. They don't live there and they're just having a picnic on, on the beach, you know? So that's what brings happiness. So, you know, when we, you know, I spent 20 years away from my family to get this yeah. education. I missed out on my brother getting older, my parents getting older. I missed like every wedding anniversary, birthday party, you name it. And it's not easy. And, and the thing is, is like when we first moved back to SoCal and we moved to Newport Beach because my wife's from there, we lived with our parents for the first year. Um, my kid was three weeks old. I didn't do one surgery for four months. Mm. You know, I'm living in Newport Beach at my in-laws house and everyone around us is like doing great. You know, they, they can tip the ballet guy, whatever they want and, you know, so forth. But we went to every party, every event. I clapped louder than anyone for everyone. You know, great job. Congratulations. But I got to tell you, now that I'm kind of peeking, 99% of those people ain't there to clap for me. Wow. You know? hmm. That's the way the world is. And, 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 this, and the thing is, is like people go, oh, well, he's got it good. I don't want to bore him with my problems or, you know, I can't relate to that. But the thing is, is like, if I wanted to focus on negative things, then I'd be really depressed. If I go, oh my God, like my shirt could fit a little bit better. Um, this person could have said hi to me nicer. My kid could have slept one hour longer. I could have had a longer nap. I mean, you could be a Debbie Downer all day, but mm -hmm. that's not the way I was raised, you know? Yeah. Um, they say that when you think about negative things, like I don't ski much, but they say if you're skiing and you're worried about hitting the trees, you're gonna hit the trees because you keep looking at the damn things. But if you look at the whole mountain and see where you're going, and you don't worry about the trees and stuff like that, then you're gonna do better. So anyhow, I think the hardest thing is, is like, I made great friends through this journey, but my really great friends don't live near me. They're, they're you know, I lived in Nashville, Baltimore, Memphis, Louisville, they're all spread out, oh, wow. they're all busy, they're trying to make a living. And I think people don't realize like, it, it's tough, you know, 90% of people hit me up, they either want money, or they want me to invest in something or they're trying to sell me something mm -hmm. like I used to get called all the time. Hey, you want to go out? You want to do this? You want to do that? And now that's not happening anymore. You know, wow. so, um, I, you know, it's a balance. And also the life we have is great, but it's a very well coordinated, you know, system between mm -hmm. my wife and I and our kids and family, you know, it's, it's, it's mm -hmm. like, everything's hanging by a thread, but Hey, I, I want to live it to the max. You know, it's like a playoff mm -hmm. game. We want to win the championship, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's, it's so interesting that you, you know, you kind of, it, it sounds so corny, guys. So, but you pay the cost to be the boss. It's true. Yeah. It's like, you know, because you, you, how you talked about you, you missed like 20 years of your family getting older and different milestones and even maybe some things will happen with your kids. And, and, and it's a lot of, things that you have to do but what I really love is that you said you focus on the positive things because what your life is going to be what it is no matter what yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. like, what are you going to focus on what are you going to feed and I, and I really appreciate and that's why you're able to stay on the top of your game is that you just try to focus on the positive things over and over and over so I think if any of you guys who are listening you know that's one of the biggest things to take away from that it's like focus on the positive look at the mountains and the scenery and stop thinking about the trees and your skiing <laughs> and surround yourself with good people who truly believe in you like if you guys talk about something and it actually happens for you they're excited not oh damn they got their new house before i did i mean i got a buddy of mine <sighs> every time we talk on the phone we talk we daydream we, we talk big and literally like a year later, the stuff we talked about, we're doing, it's, it's wow. crazy. So Manifestation. yeah, it's really cool. You, you, <laughs> it is. Yeah. And I love that. And, you know, and, and, and so I'm going to kind of skip around here, but speaking sure. of that, you know, surrounding yourself with people who really believe in you, um, you know, 
and you talked about sports and how you used to want to be a basketball player. And it was funny. I, I had finished reading Tim Grover's book of winning um, a, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, in his book, he mentions the word crazy there over 30 times. It's a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's a particular quote that I really love. He says, great partners share your obsession and commitment. They don't think you're crazy. They know you're crazy. And that's what they love about you. You tell them your plans. And even if they don't completely understand where you're headed, they know you know exactly where you're headed. They only ask, you want me to drive? And so, you know, tell me how this quote directly relates to the closest relationships that you have in your life. And also the, the, the wonderful relationship that you've been able to build with your wife over these past, you know, what I saw 14 years, it might be more now, but yeah. Well, um, when you talked about those quotes, you know, it, it, it takes a certain personality to be a boss or a leader. So those people are, you know, like growing up, Michael Jordan was who I was watching kick butt, right? Yeah. And if you watch the documentaries about him and the Chicago Bulls, he was quite a personality, right? He expected yeah. a lot from people. And then I think the same thing with Kobe Bryant, who's my other favorite ball player. And so the... I've always like, I learned discipline and hard work and see, like reaping the fruits of my labor from sports. Mm -hmm. I think as far as like succeeding with my, you know, with my wife and being that personality, you know, so surgeons are known for being very blunt and they're, you know, whatever. But for me, it's like, I always tell people, you know, um, uh, you know, actions speak louder than words. You know, I'm like, believe me, I'm going to show you what's going to happen in a year or this or that, you know, and a lot of people are impatient. And, you know, when we moved here, my wife obviously wanted me to be successful and she believed in me, but sometimes, you know, it, it, it's tough because, you know, like I didn't do any surgeries for my first four months when I was here, you know, like, mm -hmm. am I ever going to do it? Am I going to remember how to do it even? So mm -hmm. I said, honey, look, I got this. Don't worry. You know, like I got my Teflon yeah. suit on. It's going to happen. You know, uh, my own parents, they told me, you know, my dad told me, hey, you should maybe think about working, you know, at the university or for one of your friends or this or that. I said, dad, I love my boss. I love my uniform. I love my schedule. <laughs> you know, I said, my friends want to be like me. He goes, no, they don't. I said, trust me, they do. And guess what? All my friends that worked at those other jobs, now they all want to do private practice like I'm doing. Wow. So, you know, you got to believe in yourself, first of all. Um, people are going to think you're crazy. But at the end of the day, as long as you're a good, crazy person, they can get along with you. You know, as long as you're not doing something crazy like punching the wall and putting a hole in it or, you know, driving like a maniac, yeah. um, being enthusiastically crazy about what you do, um, you'll get people to respect you. And no matter what, like, that's the whole thing. One of my mentors when I was in med school, he was a very potty mouth um, trauma surgeon mm -hmm. and... Uh, you know, I just said, hey, like, what are your words for wisdom, you know? And he said, well, when you're first starting out, I just want to tell you, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. So listen more than you speak. I said, okay. Then he said, if someone tells you to do something and they tell you to eat poop, you ask them, would you like me to use a shovel or a spoon, sir? I said, okay. And then he said, you know, as long as you have good values, like for me being a doctor or a surgeon, it's important to take care of people and put the patient's well-being first. Yeah. So he said, as long as you do that, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks of you. As oh, long yeah. as you're good at what you do, they have to respect you. He goes, this guy, he don't like me. I said, okay. He goes, I don't give an F about him. I said, okay. He goes, but he respects me. He said, you know, he said, you know, when the president comes to town, if this guy, if he gets shot, they're bringing him to my hospital. Guess who they want operating on him? Me, you know? So mm. like, that's the way it is, you know? So I think you got to have thick skin. You're going to have doubters. If you ask 10 people, anything, they're all, you know, three are going to disagree. Three are going to think it's great. Three are going to think they're better than you at it. I mean, yeah. you, you got to be your own person. You got to believe in it. And no matter what, hard work and, you know, all that was going to pay off. So it's going to be good. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Just like why you're where you are and why you're the happy person you are. I mean, it's all about your mindset. You can't let other people distract you unless it's a screaming baby that belongs. <laughs> I'm on the floor right now who's actually screaming, but it's so cute. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> yeah, and, and 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 that's like one of the most amazing things. It's like you know, you, you said at what point your father was like, oh, go work for somebody. You know, your wife probably was thinking at some point like, oh, this is this hasn't done surgery for a whole more months, and we're living in you know a parents' house or whatever. But now look at you now. But the the biggest thing is belief in self. Hey. Say hi. Wait. Hi. Guys, you if you're not watching the podcast, if you're not if you're not watching on YouTube and you're just listening to the podcast, you have to go to YouTube just to see this hey, cute baby. Hi. I'm just saying. Wait, say hi. Hi. And you say hi. Wait your head. Go like that. Yeah, guys, we're totally babying that right now. Go goo goo gaga. Sorry. <laughs> See, these are the vitamins my wife was taking during her pregnancy. Look at that. Yeah. All right, sorry. I didn't... No, it's great. I love it. So anyone who's listening to the podcast is going to need to go to YouTube now because they're going to want to see what we're talking about. But, you know, so I, and so you now you're, so you're successful in your practice. And I know that you are. You love to learn. You love to challenge yourself. So I know that something you're kind of the king of cleavage, you know. Yeah. You know your 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 models, your patients rather, they're looking real good, and, and you know they look beautiful, they look natural. And on Instagram, you've also created the signature backside cleavage look. And yeah. so you know what made you think of this procedure? Like what spurred that technique? And how long does it take to get that you know voluptuous result? Well, you talking about the backside. Backside queen, which I was like, yes. So there's a scientific reason for it. And I, and I wish I could tell you I came up with it, but I didn't. Actually, the guys that pioneered this stuff. So mm -hmm. the Brazilian butt lift came from, you know, Brazil, sort of, you know, but I mean, it's very popular there, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you look at animals and mating, um, not to be graphic from my under 18 year old, uh, you know, uh, listeners here. Listeners most good, animals yeah. are in the doggy position, right? When they're mating, right? It's from mm -hmm. the rear. So the mm -hmm. buttocks is kind of like their sex organ. Okay, that's what okay. they're seeing. Uh, breasts are just the big sweat gland that makes milk, and they're not really designed for anything sexy. But humans yeah. are the only animals that basically have sex, like they can have sex face to face. Mm. So then we go, oh, what are these? And we start playing with those and this could be kind of fun. So, so the backside cleavage actually instinctively, like the animal nature of us as, uh -huh. as beings is there, okay? So the thing is, is like, there's a lot of gals who like, you know, back in the day they had nice cleavage, but they had a flat backside. And mm. when they were addressed, they just don't have that, you know, that S curve, like I call it from the side, you know, where it looks like yeah. an S. So we have the front and then the back. Mm -hmm. So uh, we basically suck out fat from like the love handles and the muffin top. Mm -hmm. And then we put that in the buttocks and make it rounder. So the waist goes in and the buttocks comes out. But for those people who are super lean, mm -hmm. it's hard to, you know, add more. But what they can do is they can do, you know, lunges and hip thrusts and all the things. You can build muscle in the buttocks. You just can't build enough in the chest because the pectoralis muscle is not that big. But yeah. there are some people who just like, they got fat, like, in, in, you know, just like in their love handles and stuff. And you can suck it out and you can put it in their butt and you can just really, literally turn, turn it upside down and make it look so good, you know? Yeah. So I think that's what's really exciting about it. So, yeah. yeah. So. I know because it's like I see different results because you know I obviously I'm kind of obsessed with medical aesthetics so it's just like yeah. you know I, I look at different results and not every not and maybe it's just based also on body type I'm, I'm assuming but it's not always able to create that you know um, really nice uh, you know uh, that nice look it just looks like a, like a bunch of extra things were put there you know and um so I, that's why i really appreciated your work because it looks really good and of course you have great thank you stuff. i, I can't to do anything really crazy out there like like if, if if you take somebody who has more than they can handle mm -hmm. and then you, you you put like a ton in there it mm -hmm. looks cool like to have like guinness book of world records like that injection but yeah some of these women i'm like okay where do you buy your clothes normally because ah. You, you, you're going to have your own zip code back there and yes. custom clothing. You're not going to be my friend afterwards. Like you've seen yes. people who can't fit into their jeans as it is. 
Yeah, they're jumping. Well, they're jumping in. That's yeah. what, that's the yeah. thing, so right? We're jumping there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so like, I, I'm I'm pretty strict about operating on people who are healthy because mm-hmm. as a plastic surgeon who does a lot of cosmetic stuff, it this is elective surgery. I'm taking someone yeah. who's healthy, someone who looks as happy as you are right now, and basically um, giving them anesthesia. You know, you know, cutting them making them have to recover, maybe get sick, you know, all these things like, this is not like, you know, where you have cancer or you have a ruptured appendix and you have to go get surgery. And Mm -hmm. even if nothing good comes out of it, Hey, we try to help you. This is like, there's no room for error. So I like people to have a BMI less than 30. Sometimes if they're very muscular, I'll, I'll slide and say, okay, 35 or less, but that's, I know I talk a lot. That's it. I talk. I know, guys. The baby's blocking his mouth. Hi. Okay, now say hi. 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 Complain. Don't be camera shy. Oh, I see the smile, Aiden. Oh, you like her. He smiles though. He's a flirt. Be careful. He'll start winking and moving one eyebrow up and down. It's okay, Aiden. I can take it. I can take it. Auntie Leslie can take it. That's so great. Yeah, so, so I try to be I try to be very ethical about what I do. Uh, yeah. I with a clear conscience. You know, there's no money in the world someone can give me that's worth it. Um, mm-hmm. Where like someone's ill or not doing well or they're miserable. Mm-hmm. I got people who are healthy, and then I talk to them, and mentally they're not ready. You know, mm-hmm. they don't realize like all the things they want done. It's a, a lot of recovery for some of them, and I just don't think they're mentally ready. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, even even going back to, you know, your your consultation process, you know, um, because, you know, that's where you're kind of uncovering all these things about people as if they're, you know, as to whether they're ready or not, or if they're psychologically ready or not for these types of things. So like, percentage wise, how many, what percentage of consults do you say you turn away your group turns away per year estimate mine is very low i probably turn away about five percent of people yeah you know but but like i'm very lucky yes we go Aiden says to those people but um i i i'm very lucky i i i used to make a joke because like there were some crazy surgeons i would work with Mm -hmm. and they always had crazy patients and then yeah. I had like nice patients, nice, nice surgeons had nice patients. So anyhow, I think you attract what you are. That's why I put myself out there on social media. Yeah. I want people to know my personality. They know I love my kids. They know I'm a straight shooter. They know I love the Lakers. They know I love Porsches. They know mm-hmm. I love my wife, you know, so that way there's no hidden agendas, right? It's like, yes. you know, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to DM me on social media, you can't flirt with me, right? Like that's, that's exactly. not there. I'm there to mm-hmm. let you know who I am, my personality, what I stand for. So anyhow, um, yeah, it's very important to like know the personality of the people you deal with. But so the people that I get, I'm very lucky. My patients, a lot of them, like 70% of them are mothers. And nice. 60% of them are single moms that work two or three jobs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why your podcast is going to be so powerful too, is because you have so many women who follow you, you know, mm-hmm. and they need to be inspired. These people inspire me. Like they're no BS kind of people. And they're also a lot of gym freaks. Like they go to the gym, they work out, they look the best they can. Here, okay. yeah. They look the best they can and they don't want help. They're, if they reach to me for help, it's like, I've done everything I can. And wow. you know, like I'm gonna let you do your thing, but literally like I've done everything I can and can you help me? So it's really cool because I'm fixing one problem. I, re- I rarely get like the lazy person who gained 40 pounds during COVID and they think liposuction is a weight loss procedure. That's mm. not my patient base, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm very, very, very lucky in that sense. Um, my patients are very motivated. They're mm-hmm. just wonderful people. And then, you know, I live in a nice area now. We got these wives around us that have one or two kids. They got nannies. Yeah help mm-hmm. they complain about this oh my god my kids are so terrible and you know the nanny was late and i didn't get my hair done at the salon and i'm yeah. like the ladies that i know they got no family they work three jobs they got four kids they have no help and they get it done dude don't 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 don't, don't give me that because women are a sign of strength to me you know yeah. my 
my mom, you know, was a great influence in my life, right? Same with mm-hmm. my dad, but like my mom's the one who built character, right? My yeah. wife, she's a go-getter. She went and got her farm D. She's a pharmacist. Yeah. I basically lived off her money while I was in training, right? She's yeah. the one who updated the rent and stuff. Um, you know, strong women are, have been a part of my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's also why I'm a plastic surgeon because 90% of people I deal with are women and they have mm-hmm. strong personalities and I want this, I want that. And I got to go deal with it. I go, yes, I understand you want this and that, but let me tell you what it entails, you know, yes. or you gotta go do. so anyways, it's cool. <laughs> I, I, that's, but that's great though. I, I think, you know, I, I love that you put your true energy out there because those who are attracted to you, as far as they want you to be their plastic surgeon, like you said, 95% of them are going through and they're getting the procedures done. Because, like, you know, like, I would never look on your page and be like, I'd be like, oh, I think I'm a good candidate because you know, a lot of women, they work out, they do this, you do that, I work out, you know, so I want, you know, but, so I think it's really great that you really define who you want to have in your practice and what you even put out there as the examples of women who've gotten the work done. So people kind of have an idea, like, okay, so, uh, th- th- and that's great. So for you guys who are, you know, in, in medical aesthetics or what have you, you know, that's so important you know, put out what you want to get back. If you are putting out, you know, just like everybody, you know, you, you might do work on a lot of different people, but if you're putting out everybody, you're going to continue to get those types of people that you don't even want in your practice. And that's not good. It's about branding too. Like they always told me you build your reputation on who you don't, don't operate on. Right. Mm. Like as a plastic surgeon or anyone who's in aesthetics, you don't want to be easy. Right. Oh, he'll he'll operate on anyone who gives him money. Right. I mean, look at the guy that operated on, um, was it Kanye Westmont that died? Like one of those people, yeah, right? right? Of, like yeah, you don't want to be that surgeon, right? You don't want, you don't want to be that surgeon. Cause she went to a couple places and they told her, Hey, you're not a good candidate. And then wow. someone else told her what she wanted to hear. Right. Hmm. Like that's part of the story. Because he's probably just thinking about that plastic surgeon was probably just thinking about the clout, quote unquote, that he would yes. get by operating oh. Kanye West's mom. But look at him now. That's and, not and the legacy. I've had some celebrities come to me and, you know, the ones that are cool people, I love them. Mm-hmm. But the ones that are like super demanding and they want things that I can't deliver, I don't want to touch them because the last thing I want to do is like hurt my reputation, you know, and, and have mm-hmm. them tell the whole world that. I didn't deliver or I did something, you know, a lot of these folks, they have unrealistic expectations, you know, whether mm-hmm. they're celebrities or not. So you have to, you have to set expectations just like any relationship, whether it's medical or personal, you have mm-hmm. to tell people what you plan to do, what you want to do. And, you know, just like if you, if you meet someone and you say, Hey, I want to, I want to get married and I want to travel the world and do mission trips. Well, if you don't like mission trips, that's not the person you're going to marry, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Guys, Dr. Kelly is giving some marriage advice out here too. You better listen, ladies. Aiden's been hearing all my love and you know advice later. Say hi. Say hi. Aiden, yeah, Aiden can listen to this podcast later. Be like, what was he talking about? But that's so great. So, you know, and we're kind of wrapping down here. But tell us a little bit more about game day. You know, what do you do in order to prepare for your surgeries and kind of get in the zone and get ready to you know do your thing? So I look at the pictures of what of the person who I'm operating on, because some people it's more work than others, uh, a few days before. And I, I, I you know, I may, you know, I talk to my staff, make sure whatever special things I need, like certain implants, whatever ordered. Then I look at the pictures again the night before and I make sure like the plan, I usually have a good note, like what I discussed and what I'm thinking are still the same. Cause you know, if there's any last minute changes we gotta make, I. I want to be able to tell the, you know, patient about that. And then, mm-hmm. um, I, I try to sleep well, like the night before surgery, like, yeah. like eight hours or so if I can. And I also like to get my workouts done on the days I'm not operating. So I operate Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm-hmm. I do cardio seven days a week right now, as much as I can, but mm-hmm. like Monday, Thursday, um, Actually, I, I, I do lift uh, after I do surgery, but I try not to do lift so much where I, like my shoulders sore and I can't do liposuction or whatever. Yeah. But I really think about my, my body, my physical health, because I want to be my best for my patients. So when I go, when I go to surgery, I've got to be wide awake. 
I've got to be feeling good and I can't have like joints that are hurting and stuff like that. Also very important in the household, you know, um, like my wife and I, we have no drama. She understands how important surgery day is because like, you know, if you're, if you're fighting over stupid things, then you're distracted, but that's mm -hmm. someone's life on the line. They're under anesthesia. And if I'm distracted, I'm not going to be my best. So yeah. she, she's, she's realized the value of that long time ago. So she tries to make sure like the nights I get home late from work and I've got surgery the next day, like the kids are already asleep and mm -hmm. she works too. And she, she, you know, she, she, that's a big sacrifice on her part. Like, like taking, taking the hit with that. But she realizes that if she's tired the next day, it's not as big of a deal as if I'm tired doing surgery. Right. Yeah. So, so she's very great about that being so understanding. And then, um, I eat, I try to eat a healthy breakfast. Mm -hmm. I'm not a coffee drinker. Coffee's more like a laxative for me. Uh, when I was in college and I was studying for finals, I basically, um, I basically, you know, like took some vibrant one time it's to like stay up for a final. I slept through the damn thing. So like, oh, no. you know, caffeine doesn't work on me. I'm immune to caffeine. Okay. I can have cappuccino at night and I will still go to bed at time. All right. Oh, wow. But, that's great. Yeah. So anyhow, um, I'm very big on being focused. And now that I'm a little bit older, mm -hmm. I have like, I have to maintain my body. When you look at someone like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, these guys, dude, they, like LeBron spends a million dollars a year on his health. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't have that kind of money, but you know, I, I have a personal trainer. I have a massage therapist. Nice. Um, I do some stretches in the morning before I go do surgery. Okay. I have a, I have a lacrosse ball and I roll out all the knots in my oh, back. Wow. I do certain stretches that my physical therapist showed me mm -hmm. to like loosen up my spine. Cause mm -hmm. I want to be able to do this till I'm 80. Right. Like, yeah. this is a, you know, this, yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't want to be exactly. Well, <laughs> You know, so anyways, it's, it's really important to be in good shape and take care of yourself. So yeah, I'm, um, I game day, dude, it's all about the surgery. And I go in, I got my team, by the way, I built my own surgery center. Part of the mm -hmm. reason I did that is because I, I I'm, I'm all about the team sports like basketball. Mm -hmm. I, I've been working with the same scrub tech for almost three years. I've been wow. with the anesthesiologist for over a year. So my team so my team, like we're a wall grease machine. They know when I look a certain way, I want a certain instrument. They know mm -hmm. like when I put my hand out, what's next. I mean, it's really a lot of fun. And actually I like to teach. I've got a lot of people come in the room and um, I've got uh, pre-med students, medical students, nursing students. I've got people from industry who like want to train their reps like about breast implants or mm -hmm. breast surgery. So it's pretty, pretty cool. You know, we have a good time. That's awesome. And, and one of the biggest things that stuck out to me, you know, and, and you guys are probably stuck out to you that are listening. It's like, it's, it, it's, it's so game day. Yeah. You're doing surgery three days a week, but you're literally preparing for your surgeries every day of the week, basically. That's my, that's my playoffs. That's what I'm, that's everything I'm working for. That's it. Yeah. Right? That's where the rubber meets the road. If I don't do a good job in surgery, People don't look good. They don't look good. Then a hundred people go, Oh my God, I ain't going to him. So mm -hmm. I, I've got to look good every single time. And it's a lot of pressure, but like I said, that's why I became a surgeon. I like pressure. I thrive under pressure, you know? Mm -hmm. And so anyhow, that that's, that's why I do what I do. And I, by the way, my patients, like they really believe in my system. Yeah. My friends always come to me, dude, how do you get all these hot people to send you pictures? I said, well, first of all, they're my clients. So they're not just hot people. Like, and second of all, they believe in what I do. And I don't, I mean, I tell them, yeah, like if you're really happy, like send me some pictures, but they are always thanking me, sending me gifts. Like, like they really shower me with love. So mm -hmm. that void that I have from all the friends I've lost along the way with the success, I've got people that literally could be strangers and I've made an impact on their life forever and they're letting yeah. me know. So I, I cherish that, you know? Yeah. Really Cause cool. that's something no one can take away from you. Exactly. No one I can love take it. away those clients from you. That's, that's great. And um, so I know men have been taking advantage of the cosmetic procedures. And I know there was an article that you were in in 2018 and you were said that, you know, men are only about 8% of the market. So now it's 2021. <laughs> Yeah. We've had COVID. People have been looking at themselves on Zoom, Skype, all sorts of stuff. Right. 
how much or how much of a change have you seen in the male population for cosmetic plastic surgery procedures? I think it's I think it's similar. You know, mm -hmm. I think they still make up a smaller percentage, but men do get things done. Mm -hmm. you just have to, you know, men are more high maintenance than women in some ways. Okay, <laughs> so, so for example, you know, w women don't mind pain as much, right? Like when they're coming in for Botox, which by the way doesn't hurt. You know, I mean, I put numbing cream on people. I use a needle that's the same size as a needle as people have like diabetes. They inject insulin every day. But mm -hmm. the men are sitting there like sweating, like, ooh, right? Like, and the women are like, all right, dude, you know, uh, oh, pain is, yeah, pain is just weakness leaving my body. You know, it's like beauty entering. So they're excited about it. When, you know, I always tell my patients, happy people get happy boobies. So, you know, I, I think with men, it's like, they don't want to be there. They want to be working and stuff. And also men take it very personal. Like women realize there's maintenance. Men, it's like, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't need to wear a sunscreen. I'm like, dude, you're going to look like a raisin by the time you're 62. If you keep going out in the sun with no sunscreen and you might have chunks of like your skin missing if you get skin cancer. So for men, I'm lucky if I get them to buy sunscreen. Mm. Um, if I get them on some Brotox, it's awesome. Sometimes I get these guys that come in and they're like a little chubbier than they should be. And they want mm -hmm. liposuction. And mm. I tell them, look, dude, you're basically being lazy and you want me to do the work for you. And if you're someone who cuts corners, I can't do that for you. You can't have this expectation of me way up here and your mm. effort is down here, right? Mm. So I tell them, I go, look, if you've lost the weight and there's nothing else that you can do and you've got a love handle or something, I'll do lipo on you, but I'm not here to like create bad habits. Yeah. So now what men really care about, their hair. They start going bald. Mm. It's like having a small breasted woman, right? So you have five women thinking about their breasts. So for a man, if his hair starts going bald, they want to talk. And yeah. hair transplantation is really big. I was doing a lot of it before COVID. And there's other things that you can do. You can inject like PRP, for example, into the yeah. hair. So PRP doesn't make a bald spot grow hair. So I can't put PRP in my forehead and grow hair. But if you've got like an area that's like thinning, and you put PRP there, it's like fertilizer for your scalp. You know, it's great. Um, they yeah. think it's it. But um, hair transplantation is great. But then COVID happened and we weren't doing stuff in the office as much. We're trying to just do things in the operating room. And so I kind of slowed down with it because bald men are very hard to negotiate with. Okay. Mm. Like you, you notice like there's really good looking men, but like they're not as rich as the bald men who like, work hard, right? I don't know why it is, that's the way it is. So those guys compensate by being rich. So yeah. if, you're, if you're trying to negotiate with a bald man, usually, you, you know, I mean, of course they don't wanna be bald, but like, mm -hmm. they're like, oh my God, $10,000? Well, shoot, like I could go, you know, buy this or that. So they don't wanna spend the money. Mm -hmm. I realized that for every one bald man that I do a hair transplant on, I could get 10 breast augmentations for the same amount of effort. Interesting. So right. you're just like, ah, so it's not really the best use of your time in a way. Uh, yeah, I want to help all the men out there. I mean, you know, but the thing is, is like, it's also about my time and I can't sit there and like, I'm, I'm not a preacher. I can't sit here and tell people you, you would look sexier and feel better about yourself. And the, and the money's nothing when you think about the investment in you. I just, I'm too busy to motivate these guys to do that. So, hmm. um, so I, I like my you know, practice the way it is, but I do love helping men. But the, but the main things that I, I think are hot are, I think hair transplantation and the guys that are willing to do it, it's such a confidence. Wizard. And by the way, women age in a way more than men do. Like when a man gets older, if, if you know, we all lose fat in our face when we're lean. So mm -hmm. when you get like skinnier, you look more chiseled. People go, wow, that guy's buff. But if a woman looks yeah, like old. chiseled, you know, she looks like a skeleton, then she looks older. So she needs filler or fat in her face to make her look, you know, more, more rounded. Healthy. Yeah, because yeah. roundness is youth in a woman, right? Mm -hmm. Round face, round breasts, round booty, right? Like those exactly. are all, those are all signs of youth, right? So anyhow, um, I, I think, I think for the men, it, 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 it's like, they don't, they don't have to maintain as much. So that's mm -hmm. fine. But I do get the men like with gynecomastia, that's where like they're growing breast tissue 
Yeah. And that requires a workup to make sure like they don't have a excess of certain hormones or deficiency of other things or a tumor rarely, but like, you know, mm. it's a little bit more involved. And also sometimes it's bad habits. Like some of them, they take too much testosterone and that can convert to estrogen or they're taking some medications or they're smoking a lot of marijuana and those things. Because so that like, does that? Yes. So you can't operate uh, those well, people. Because, a few people. Yeah. So like, for example, like, like those guys that have this issue, if I, you know, if I go and operate on someone's taking testosterone and they, and they grew breast tissue because of the testosterone, mm -hmm. like it'll come back. So what's the point of me putting you to sleep, doing surgery on you and you risking maybe even dying, right? Even though it's, yeah. but like, why take that risk if it's going to come back, if you're not going to change your habits, right? But habits. the other thing that's really exciting for men is hormone optimization. And it's exciting for women too, because you, you know, the food that we eat now doesn't have all the nutritional value that it used to 20 mm -hmm. years ago. Like I read somewhere, I don't know, um, a can of spinach 30 years ago had more, more nutrients than 13 cans of spinach today, you know, something like that. So that's why you got to take your vitamins, your probiotics, those things. Um, and I, I think it makes a big difference, but we look at like the, the baby boomers, like my dad, you look mm -hmm. at their testosterone levels from age, 20 to 30, 30 to 40, 40 to 50, mm -hmm. their testosterone levels are way higher than guys now who are 20 to 30, 30 to 40, 40 to 50. And I think part of it's the stressful lives we live. Some of it's the food. So I, I think, you know, optimizing them is a good thing. You know, getting them up higher uh, helps not just like with their energy levels, um, mood swings, but also mm -hmm. like sexual function, all these things, of muscle course. tension, and also for women. So women make more testosterone than they make est estrogen. So for a lot mm -hmm. of women, joint pain, a lot of menopausal symptoms that they get, like the hot flashes and things, mood swings, sex drive, sleep, a lot of that's regulated by testosterone. So I think they're all, so long story short is, yes, I love to help the men, mm -hmm. but I'm a no drama kind of guy. So my patients, yeah. women, they're wonderful. They're all legit boss women. They, they run their households. They get the work done. They make no excuses. And mm -hmm. the guys that I take care of, they're the same. But the reality is we got a lot more things that I can offer women. Because men like don't need, I mean, you know, you don't need a pack implant. Like you could go do like bench press at the gym. You yeah, because you have more testosterone. Yeah, yeah, you don't need that. But like liposuction is not a bad thing. Uh, you know, male breast reduction surgery is a great thing. Mm -hmm. Hair transplantation is good. Facelifts, neck lifts are great in men. But again, yeah. men don't like surgery. Men don't <laughs> like downtime. The, you know, women yeah. are my patients. Wow. Well, that's, that's interesting when you talk about those differences between the men and women and how they even, you know, uh, look to cosmetic procedures when they think about it. That, that's so wow, interesting. So, yeah, so I know that, um, you know, so the podcast is geared towards, you know, those who want to start their own medical aesthetic businesses or what have you. So I would ask you, you know, because I know that you also do the non-invasive procedures right? as well. So, you know, what would be your words of advice for those who want to do something similar to what you have, whether they're, you know, whether they're a nurse practitioner or a doctor who says, hey, I want to do the non-invasive side or, you know, a plastic surgeon, what would be your advice about starting and owning a medical aesthetics business? Uh, you mean like just non-surgical aspects of it? It could be both because at the end of the day, it's business is business. Okay. So I think, you know, I, I'm in California, for example. Okay. And to be able to do aesthetics, you, you have to have certain credentials. Like mm -hmm. in other states, an esthetician can do a laser, but in California, you have to be at least a nurse. And if you're a nurse, you need to be supervised by a doctor. So I think number one, wanting to do things that are cool are great, mm -hmm. but like I'm scared of everything I do because I know all the bad things that can happen. You can make someone go blind if you inject filler in the wrong place. Oh, but people yeah. go, oh, great. I'm going to like make someone's lips bigger and I can make a lot of money or I can inject filler and go buy a new purse. Like, no, there's a lot of risk. I tell people um, 
don't do anything unless like you're passionate about it, right? So if I like to sell flowers, I would have been the best flower shop owner. I think a lot of people go, oh, you're a plastic surgeon. Like you have a nice car, like you have it easy. No, um, I, deal, I dealt with a lot of hell before I got to this point um, and also gave up 20 years of my life. I could have worked at like literally at McDonald's and been a regional manager with the work ethic I had and made just as much money, you know? So that's where people are short-sighted. They, they, they take for granted their own opportunity. So you got to do what you're passionate about. So if you don't like talking to people, you shouldn't do this because this is a sales job and you got to like, you got to get people to trust you. But if you don't genuinely believe in what you're doing, no one's going to come to you because people see right through the BS. Okay. So I just tell people do what you're passionate about. Make sure you're qualified to do the things that you're trying to do because the little bit of extra money you think you're going to make will all get wiped out if you do something shady and you got to pay somebody for the damages. So don't do it if that's the case. And always be willing to learn. Learn from the best. I have a nurse that's a client of mine who has worked in the IC a long time and she reached out to me and said, hey, I want to, I think, I think I'm getting burned out. I think I want to do this. I said, girl, I respect you. Let me tell you how it is. There's a dark side of this. There's a lot of hustle. People see the money and like when somebody might need one syringe of filler, it's like, why don't we squeeze four in there so we can make more money. And then people get like weird things happening. Mm. And she said, well, I want to do it the right way. I said, okay. I said, talk is cheap. I said, here's a course that I recommend. I have a lady who I collaborate with who gets people ready mm-hmm. and it cost her two grand mm-hmm. and she did it. She did her homework. She came back to me and said, okay, I did everything you asked me to do. I said, wow, I didn't think you were going to do that. All right, cool. Well, how about you come to my office and like we work together a little bit, you know, yeah. and basically on Friday, for example, I was operating till about 3 p.m. And it was like my only day where I finished before five. It was a Friday, right? Mm-hmm. So I told her to schedule anyone she can find who wants to get Botox and fillers by her. Mm-hmm. And we basically got them a bunch of product at cost. I didn't charge them my fees. She didn't charge them anything. Hold on one second. Nadia, get Aiden. So anyways, um, and I, I was her assistant, you know, I'm mixing up vials yeah. for her. She's going over the plan and I'm like, yeah, that's good. But like, you know, Leslie needs a little bit more Botox here or maybe she mm-hmm. wants more filler. And we kind of fine tuned it. And I had to go from room to room to room to room. And we didn't finish till about 8 PM, you know, yeah. and she got a crash course on it, but she did great. And it was really that's fun. Awesome. So, like there's a right way of doing these things and there's not. And also like, for example, I, I just got approved to be, an American Society of Aesthetic Plastic Surgery approved fellowship. So somebody who graduates from a plastic surgery program can come to me and they can spend a year with me. Yeah, thank you. And because I love teaching. I won lots of teaching awards when I was a fellow. So now people can come to me and and like be on the other side of the table with me. And it's like, see one, do one, teach one. So I get to, I get to teach them how to do it. And then eventually it'll be like where, I do less. I'll let them do more. Then I'll let them bring their own patients. Mm-hmm. Then by that point they graduate and they go somewhere else. So uh, I'm really big on teaching people. And I love making people uncomfortable. I love like, you know, hazing them a little bit because it's good for them, you know, because it, it makes them remember things. So yeah, I think you should definitely do it. This is the greatest profession ever. If you love it, you should do it, but you got to do it the right way. You can't cut corners because if you build bad habits, you won't know you have. And then you're going to hurt people and you're going to have a very um, unsatisfying life and you're going to have bad karma. Wow. Wow. And, and the, the one thing that I, out of all that I really love that you said, you said you yourself are scared of what you can do. Like you have such a reverence. I'm going to call it that. You have a reverence yeah. for your craft. It's not just like I'm going to cut, cut, snip, snip. Oh, inject here, inject there. Ha ha. No, you have a reverence for what you do because you know that, yes, it can be beautiful, but on the other side, it could be drastically detrimental to someone's health if it's not done with reverence. Yeah, or just simple things like I do more breast lifts than most people. 
That's because mm-hmm. a lot of people are scared of doing breast lifts. Or if they do them, they don't do them aggressively. So what's the point of getting a breast lift if your breast is still saggy afterwards? But a lot of guys mm-hmm. don't want to risk it. But I got taught by one of the best guys in the world on how to do it safely. Mm-hmm. And I know my limits. And then, yeah, I push the limits a little bit. But if you don't do a breast lift correctly, the thing is, you're worried about killing someone's nipple. You kill mm-hmm. a nipple, the one that you tattoo on there or whatever, it doesn't look the same as what God gave you. So yeah. um, that's why, you know? So like every time I'm doing a case, every time one of my breast lift patients sends me a message, I'm like, oh, like what's going on? Do they bleed? Is this going on? Because mm-hmm. I'm very vigilant about it, right? Like yeah. that, that's basically it. But I love what I do. It's, I told you, like when you're well-trained, mm-hmm. you're not worried about it. Like I'd be scared to fly an airplane because I don't know what the <laughs> hell I'm doing, right? Yeah. You don't yeah. want me flying you to Hawaii, okay? Yeah. But, but like if that's all I've done for 20 years, and I missed out on everything else else in life to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, I, I, I remind myself that there's no one else who's more qualified to do this than me. So mm-hmm. someone's going to put their life in my hands to, to get them this like aesthetic result they want. Then mm-hmm. like, there's no one better for the job, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's it. Exactly. I love the relation to sports here. So yeah. Everyone's going to want to know now because I've been talking about booty cleavage and cleavage and this. They're going to want to know how can they find you on Instagram and the website, you know, so let us know where our listeners can, you know, find you on the web. So my initials are S like, like Samantha, S like Samantha, K like kangaroo. So SSK. And then my Instagram is SSK plastic surge. So S-S-K-P-L-A-S-T-I-C-S-U-R-G. And on Facebook, it's the same. On Twitter, it's the same. On Yelp, it's SSK Plastic Surgery. My website is SSKPlasticSurgery.com. My phone number for my office is 949-515-SURGE, S-U-R-G, or 7874. So pretty easy to get in touch with me. That's awesome. Thank you, Dr. Kalashadi. Thank you so much for investing a little bit of time to speak with our listeners today and kind of sharing your experience and your background. It's been so great. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And also, and here's my, here's, here's the love of my life. Hey, go, hey. (laughs) She's seven years old. You're seven now. You're not like Aiden. You say, hi, how are you? I'm so good. How are you? My, e- my email also goes directly to me. It's it's Dr. SSK. So it's drssk at sskplasticsurgery.com. Um, if any of your viewers ever want to talk to me about something, I, I'm, I love collaborating with everyone, which is why when you reached out to me, I said, wow, this is so great. Like you're actually interested in what I do and I'm so excited. So um, you can always reach out to me or follow up if you ever have any other things you want to talk about or you know, because I, I love talking to you. I think I think we can just keep going. Nadia, what do you want to talk about? Nadia is not shy. Girl, like Girl and I, okay. So, so yeah. So, you guys, so this has been so great. And, you know, definitely I'm going to put all the information that he talked about in the show notes. So, you know, exactly where to reach him. You can click on it, all that stuff. And as usual, I'm going to ask you guys, of course, leave a review on our podcast on Apple and Spotify. Um, but yeah, Dr. Kelashadi, thanks. It's been so great to meet your family. He's a true family man. He was hair and toe with those babies, guys. This is how it should all operate. <laughs> thank you. Oh, hey, thank you so much. I, 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 I love your show and I, I'm really honored to be on it. And your viewers are just so lucky to have you like lead the, lead the way with this because there's a lot of pearls here. It, it sounds like like a fortune cookie or too too good to be true, but it, it's it's really like life is simple if you make it simple. You know, focus on the negative, you're not going to get anywhere. But just focus on the low hanging fruit and go. For it. like what you heard, please leave us a review. I appreciate you listening and your support. Follow us on Instagram at Plan Life Happens and comment on this episode's post. Also, I appreciate your feedback and ideas. Improving is the name of the game. I'm Leslie Tracy, your host. Thanks for listening.